As we uh, get ready to continue to worship the Lord in our giving, you know, Marion and I came home to uh, a stack of mail, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not good, but this was really good mail. And I want to read this to you. This came from one of our uh, widows in the house, a senior sister, who is uh, a precious, precious lady. She lives on a fixed income, and, uh, and she's always so incredibly faithful in honoring God with what God's blessed her with. Oh, wow. I got a handwritten letter from her that I really believe... <clears throat> sorry. I really believe captures the heart of what Andrew just shared. And this is the heart that God's looking for. She said, I'm asking for permission from my commitment, Pastor Ron and Pastor Marion, that I can take and use the gift that God has given me of haircutting of men and women and children um, of any age group. And I, with an active license, so she's, she's a hairdresser by trade, she's, she's skilled and licensed. She said, I, with the Lord's help, would like to have and set up a haircutting marathon once or twice a month, and all the proceeds would go towards the building project for the I-54 campaign. Now, I got to tell you, that inspired me so much, I'm going to get my hair cut for the campaign, all right? And I'm going to pay big for that, all right? Because I'm down to, I'm going to pay per follicle, all right? That's what I'm going to pay per follicle. That absolutely touched my heart, and I know it touches the Lord's heart. Because how many of you know, it's not about what we don't have to give. It's about what we do have to give. It's about what is in my hands that I can offer to the Lord. And this precious lady, at this season of her life, is willing to come and do a haircutting marathon. Uh, and you know what I told Mary? By golly, we're going to have a haircutting marathon and allow people to use whatever gifts that they have for the glory of God. And I just couldn't help but think, Jesus, if he were here with us, we'd probably be waiting in last you think, oh, Jesus had that long hair. No, he'd be looking like me after this, after that event. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, that would bless his heart uh, to be a part of something like that. You know, that's the spirit of our giving. That's the heart that we need to have towards the Lord. And, um, and so, men, if you guys get ready, let's just present our tithes and offerings to the Lord now. Father, thank you for an amazing church family. Thank you for the love that's in this place. Thank you for this dear sister and for the way she's modeling really what it means, the spirit of sacrificial giving. And Lord, I know we can never outgive you, so I just thank you. I get excited about the blessing that's going to come down her path, not just hers, but all of us as we're obedient to you. So Lord, bless these gifts. We give them to you with grateful, thankful hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're doing that, I got another letter this week. I'm getting letters like crazy. And I got to share this letter with you too. This is from a lady that considers us her church family, even though she lives in Minnesota. Isn't that weird? She's friends of somebody who comes to our church. And this letter was waiting for me as well. And I just want to share it with you while we receive the Lord's offering. She said, hi, this is Kim. And she said, I'm Sasha's friend from Maple Grove, Minnesota. I reached out to you last summer over Facebook just telling you how much God and Living Stones has made a difference in my life. While I've been closely following the I-54 series and I'm excited for the church expansion, 
I'll be visiting the church in a couple of weeks. She's going to be staying with Bill and Franny. And she says, I'm so excited about everything happening on the home front. Now, this is her home front, but she lives in Minnesota. She listens to the podcast every week. And, uh, and she's been so blessed by our church family. Listen to this. She says, as I've been following the series, I've been listening for the Holy Spirit to tell me how much I should be accountable to giving to the building cause. She lives in Minnesota for crying out loud. I'm not expecting anybody from Minnesota to be asking the Holy Spirit for how much they should invest in a church that they're not even going to be able to go to. Very quickly, the number $1,500 stood out to me. This number is very unrealistic at the time. Now, let me just tell you, very unrealistic at the time is code word for Holy Spirit. I'm 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 helping you interpret this. Very unrealistic at the time. She said, because I lost my job in January and I hadn't had much feedback from potential employers. I was on the verge of having to sell my house to give up my dog and to move back with my parents. I mean, that's a country western song right there waiting (laughs) waiting to happen. I prayed and I prayed about how I was going to come up with this money and wondering if I was crazy for thinking this number was attainable to my present situation. Let me give you a code word again. Crazy, unattainable. It's God, all right? Because only God can do the unstoppable, the impossible, and God's thoughts are always so far beyond our thoughts. Now check this out. She's getting more radical. She lives in Minnesota. She's praying about giving to the building campaign. God gives her a crazy number. It's unattainable. She's unemployed. And then she decides to go on a 10-day fast. This lady's nuts. Some of you are thinking, she's nuts. Your your stomach's growling right now. She says, to help me be more receptive to God and to hear the nudges from the Holy Spirit more clearly. Long story short, here's what happened in that time. Out of the blue, that's code word for God. (laughs) Out of the blue, I lost my place. Oh, I got a job offer that will pay more than I have ever made in my entire career. Check this out. Not only will this cover the $1,500 pledge, but I get to keep my dog. (laughs) And my house. And I'll have enough money, check this out, to go back to school next fall. Something I've been waiting to do for a very long time. Isn't it amazing that God not only gives you enough to keep your stinking dog in the house, but he gives you enough for the desires that you've had in your heart. What an amazing dad we have here. She says the company is located less than 10 minutes from my house and is my dream job for this point in my career. I could not be happier and more blessed. All because somebody in Minnesota who listens to our podcast faithfully, who believes in our vision, was willing to ask God, God, do you want me to be a part of this? And when God gave her a crazy number, she was crazy enough to believe him. And now she's seeing some amazing supernatural things happen in her life. How many of you want some stories that, over this season of your life? You know, we all have stories. I hope you all have stories. But the problem is many of our stories have a little mold and mildew on them because they're a bit old. You know, we're still telling stories from 30 years ago. We're still telling stories from 20 years ago. How about let's start telling some stories from 20 minutes ago about what God's doing in our lives. That's the blessing. 
of, of, of joining arms with God in this season. Now, here's what I want to do today. Today, today is going to be spectacular. So I was praying about what to happen today in this service because it's a, it's a history-making moment in the life of this church. We're going to end this service by doing a couple prophetic things out in the parking lot together, right in the spot where the, where the new foyer is going to be. In fact, if we got that picture, uh, Rachel, we had some art, little artists working in our children's ministry. <laughs> All right, now... If some of you are wondering, why are we building this foyer? A child can see why we need this foyer. When you pull up to Living Stones, that's what you see. It's like, let's make a deal on Sunday morning, all right? Do I go in box number one or box number two or box number three? Or you can pick door number four. What will it be? But if you pick the wrong door, you're going to end up in the children's ministry, all right? I'm just telling you. So our kids got together and they started drawing some cool pictures. They're on display, and you're going to see them on your way out as we end the service. But we're going to make our way out there. Let me just say to you, where's J.J. DeArmond? J.J., hop up. We want to bless this young man. We want to send him out of the country on a mission trip today. So... uh, J.J. has some baked goods, so on our way out to the parking lot, I don't want any of you to faint because you're so weak from the lack of resources and food. So I want you to drop a few bucks and grab a cupcake or something and meet meet us out in the parking lot. But we're going to do a couple prophetic things together. We're going to capture it all on video for generations to come. It's going to be awesome. But I know some of you have been waiting. Pastor, how do we do? And um, excuse me. We talked a couple months ago, I guess, about what our goals were. For a church our size, with a budget that's our size, over a three-year period, a very realistic, doable goal for us was to raise an additional $1 million over three years. That was the doable, realistic goal. How many of you know God's bigger than doable and realistic, all right? And then we had a $1.5 million goal, which which would have been a stretch for us as, as a church family. And then we had a $2 million goal, which would have been wow, God has showed up and done exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Well, are you ready? Drum roll. Are you ready? Here we go. Our, our giving, that's a beautiful drum roll right there. Awesome. Our giving pledges from all of you and the generosity in your hearts and just simple obedience, all right? Just a teeny tiny bit under $1.7 million. Isn't that awesome? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. Now that's enough to put a smile on the face of a banker. How many know you've done something when you put a smile on the face of a banker? All right, the banks are happy because here's what it says. It says that we are committed to this project and there's great unity and great momentum and that's exciting. And so today I'm framing out what's happening today and then you'll never hear me talk about I-54 for months, all right? The sign's going down. Although I don't apologize for where we've been, it's been good, but th- this represents the end, all right? We, this is the first Sunday that we give our gifts for this campaign, and I want to biblically lay out you know, some principles for us today, because I want us to do it right, all right? We only get this chance once. I want us to do it right. I want to frame out what we're doing biblically so our faith aligns with what God's Word has said and that we're able to give in such a way that we're incredibly thankful, grateful, excited. And how many of you know we want God to get a lot of glory from this? Amen? So if you're a guest with us today, just enjoy the ride, all right? I'm not asking you for anything. This is a family day here at Living Stones. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about first fruits because that might be new to some of you. So turn to Exodus chapter 13. 
Exodus chapter 13, and I want to begin reading in verse 1, and I want to lay four simple principles, and then we're going to have the band come back up, and we're going to act on what we just learned, okay? So here's where we're going to start, Exodus 13, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born both of humans and animals, and I want you to see this next little phrase, belongs to me. Everybody say that together. Belongs to me. In the Hebrew uh, construction, that's in the emphatic. It's very strong. The Lord's saying, basically, if you have a King James Version, God says this, it's mine. I mean, you know, that's strong language. It's mine. We, we, we're raising little children now, grandchildren now. If you've been around a grandchild or something like that, they say mine. Only they're carnal. God's not carnal. All right? They're saying mine, and many times they're being greedy and selfish. God's not being greedy and selfish. He's just being God. God's declaring that he has creator rights to certain things. Now, I want to give some principles here regarding placing God first, all right? First of all, rule number one, and I want you to get this in your heart. God demands to be first in absolutely everything. If I had one nugget I could leave with you, If I had one bit of wisdom I could leave with my children before I go home to be with Jesus, it would be this nugget right here. Son or daughter, church family, whatever you do, always place God in the place of preeminence and priority. Always make sure in every arena of your life, he is first. If you will do that, you will set yourself up for a great eternity, and you'll set yourself up for a great here and now. This is, a, this is an important principle. God must be first, not second, not at the end of your thoughts, first in your heart, first in your affections, first in your priorities, first in your mind, first in your money, first in your time, first in your talent, first in your treasure. God must be first. And the reason he must be first is because he's God, and he deserves that place. Now, Again, I've tried to share this with you over the years. It's been helpful to me, and I've had some of you say it was transformational in the way you viewed your your life. I've tried to teach my family that we also want to give the Lord the best of who we are, the best of our attention, the best of our energy, the best of our mental ability, which means in the Johnson household, Saturday night is not primarily a night for festivities and partying. It's certainly not a, a night for staying out late, late, late. Because guess what's happening in a few hours? The new week is beginning. Not the weekend is continuing. The new week is beginning. In fact, in a Hebrew way of thinking, the next day starts at sunset, not at sunrise. It starts at sunset and goes to sunrise. It's absolutely backward from the way we we govern our time. We wake up in the morning and we think we're starting a new day. The Hebrews have already spent half their day, all right, because they started at sunset the night before. That's the pattern of creation. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is you don't want to come here on Sunday morning tired, worn out, one eye open, can't concentrate, um, and, and you're, this is the offering that you're bringing to the Lord. It's got real quiet in here. In fact, how many people don't even bother getting out of bed on Sunday because they had so much fun on the weekend, they just were so tired. That's not the right way to start your week. Because what we're doing here is an act of worship. 
What we're doing here right now, I want you to hear this, it's the first morning of the first day of the first of your week, and your presence here is meant to be an offering to the Lord, not to moi, all right? What what your presence means on Sunday morning is that God is first in your life. He doesn't get the leftovers from your week. I better get off of this or we're going to have a depressing... I mean, I'm speaking the truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you need. And then some, the dog, the house, and college will be added unto you. Isn't that amazing how that happened? This is an act of worship. You want to come having prepared yourself to encounter God, to encounter the Word, to encounter your brothers and sisters, till your heart's ready to worship and you're not trying to wake up. God demands to be first in everything. It is mine, God says. It's not optional. It's not if you feel like it. It's not if you can afford it. It's not even if you believe it. God is first, whether you acknowledge it or not. That's the fact. That's just a fact. God must be first. And so in today's celebration offering that we're going to receive at the end of the service, we're dedicating ourselves to God's purposes. We want him first in our hearts, first in our church, first in this community, first in the nations of the world. God must be preeminent. And that's what we're doing by bringing this offering. That's the first offering of this project. Now let me share with you something else that's really powerful. The first fruit offering redeems all the rest of what you have. I want you to see this from the word. In Exodus chapter 13, if you jump down a couple of verses to to, to, uh, verse 11, this is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise that he swore to you and your ancestors when he gives you the land. It's talking about the children of Israel inheriting their promise, their full inheritance. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live. In other words, they had to go get it. They had to fight for it. There was some sacrifice involved. But God said, I've already given you the land. But this is what I want you to do when you get there. You must present all the firstborn sons and the firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey, which was an unclean animal, may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. I was saying, Pastor, why are you talking about breaking necks? This doesn't seem like a great celebration message. Hang with me here. This is what God said. Every firstborn that comes from the womb of a person or from the womb of the livestock, God says, it's mine. It's mine. God claimed the right to that. If an unclean animal had, had a firstborn, that unclean animal, like, like a donkey, had to be redeemed by a clean animal. In other words, a clean animal had to be sacrificed for the unclean animal. Does this make sense? Clean for the unclean. But only two things were happening. Either the animal's neck was broken and it was sacrificed to the Lord or it was, it was a purchase price paid for that animal that was given to the Lord. Uh, and then firstborn sons, obviously it was not a situation of taking the lives of human beings. Uh, it was a situation of redemption or blessing. So I want you to see the picture here because you say, Pastor, what's the significance of this? Clean for the unclean. How many of you know God had a firstborn son? His name is Jesus. Was he clean or unclean? Clean. clean. He was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. 
He's spotless in every way. Listen, he was God's very best. And God gave a clean, a sacrifice of a clean lamb for the unclean. Who's the unclean in this place? We're the unclean. I want you to see this. Redemption began with the gift of the clean as a sacrifice for the unclean. God gave the initial first fruit offering so that many sons and daughters would come out of that first fruit offering down the road. In other words, God said, I'm going to give you the first and the best in full faith that this seed, when it's sown, is going to produce fruit. How many of you know you and I are standing here today as the fruit of God's offering, the gift of his son, the clean for the unclean. That's why we're here today. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Jesus is literally God's tithe to us. It's God's tithe that was sown. And the Bible says, this is 1 Corinthians. Look at the language here, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is the first fruit. He rose from the dead. We're going to celebrate that in a couple of weeks. His resurrection from the dead certifies your resurrection from the dead and my resurrection from the dead. If there had been no first fruit offering by God, we're still dead. Can you understand why it's very important that what we give to the Lord that's his redeems all the rest? What we sanctify and give to the, give to the Lord as a consecrated, set-apart gift to God sanctifies all the rest. That's the principle that we're trying to establish here this morning. Now, how many of you know when, when the children of Israel were entering their promised land, the very first city they encountered was a city called Jericho. It was a, it was a formidable city. Thick walls, huge tall walls, powerful, powerful city. Hundreds of thousands of people live in that city. It was huge. And God said this. He goes, I'm going to give you that city, but I want, you to, I want to make something very clear. All the spoils of that city belong to me. They don't belong to you. Don't touch any of it. Why did God say that? Because the first and the best belongs to him. And if you give the first and the best to the Lord, he redeems the rest. In other words, if, if Jericho was given to the Lord it guaranteed that God would redeem the rest of the process and that they would enter their full inheritance. Are y'all understanding this this morning? Y'all remember what happened with Achan? Achan? Achan looked at the precious things that God said were mine, and he started doing this. You know why he was doing that? Because he was greedy and unfaithful, and he didn't believe that the God who gave them that city had more cities for them down the road, and that the first belonged to him, and that they would have more than enough that God would bless them with, with the rest. He was greedy, and he was fearful, and he, and he kept what belonged to God. And listen, I want you to see this. There's only two options. God said that it became an accursed thing. Here, here, here's the option that you have, and I want to help some of you out. Some of you go from, from week to week. You never have enough. There always seem, no matter what pay increases you get, they run out your pocket as fast as they came in. You seem like, how is it that I can never get ahead? Some of you are working doubles and you're working overtime and you're like, yay, God provided. And now you're still broke because all your doubles and overtime, it's gone. How come my washer, dishwasher keeps going out? How come my car keeps having problems? How come this keeps having problems? L- listen to me. Either you give what God says is his, and, you're, and he redeems the 90%, or you rob God, and you're cursed. Oh, pastor, you're really disappointing me this morning. I'm trying to help you this morning. 
If my son does a landscaping project and he, and he makes $1,000 in profit, if I, had, if I had 10 $100 bills to illustrate this this morning, 10 $100 bills, he just made $1,000, what is God's? All of it, thank you. But what does God want back? 100. Which one of the stack is his? The one on top. Not the bottom. Can I just help some of you out? Your mortgage company does not have the power to redeem the rest of the 90%. NIPSCO does not have the power to redeem the 90%. Only God has the power to take 90% of the rest of money that's his too and bless it and make it go farther than you trying to manage 100% that's cursed. This is the truth. The problem with some of us is we keep taking what God says is mine. Now, here's what I want you to see. We're not talking about tithes and offerings today. We're talking about these are, these are love gifts. These are extravagant things. I'm still not sure where the other 90% is coming in on my pledge. How about you? But here's what I'm doing. Today, I am taking the first fruit and I'm putting it in God's hands. And check this out. I'm consecrating it. When I consecrate it, God says, I'll take care of the rest. Now, some of you are looking at me funny still. I've made you mad. I'm going to make you happy before we get to the end. All right, I'm going to make you happy. I promise you're going to be so happy. All right, look at number three. The first fruits must be offered in faith. Now look at Proverbs 3. This is why I'm trying to help you out because this is not about legalism and law. This is all about heart and faith and grace. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops, your income. Then your barns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Look at the language. Abundantly filled, overflow. This is talking about a life where you have more than enough, not only to bless God, bless others. There's more than enough coming out of your life. Look at Exodus 23, verse 19. As you harvest your crops, bring, listen to this, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Bring the very best of the first. Now, Israel was living in an agricultural economy, so when the trees started blossoming and blooming and eventually the fruit began to form, how many know the fruit doesn't all form at the same time? There are certain pieces of fruit that are early, you know, early adapters, all right? they're, They're coming out first. And here you've been waiting all year. Maybe you have a beautiful pear tree. And oh my goodness, you look up and there glistening in the sun is the most lovely pear. And you've been waiting for this pear. And it's so yummy and it's so perfect and so ripe. And listen to me, God says, that one's mine. And you're like, no, I think that one's mine. But there's other pears up there, Lord, that I would like to give you. When the harvest comes in, After I sell them all and see how much money I can make, there's a few at the end that we would like to present to you. Now, some of you are laughing, but you know, we have this book in the Bible about the Italian mafia guy, Malachi, right? Malachi, you guys read? I mean, Malachi. Um, And under under the prophet Malachi's reign, this is what God said to the people. He said, I got a bone to pick with you guys. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I asked for the first and the best, 
And look at, the, look at what you're bringing to sacrifice. You're bringing like a three-legged dog, you know, it's blind and can't smell. And, and what are you doing? He says, the, the sheep that you're bringing are lame. And this is what you're offering me? I'm going to paraphrase. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? So check this out. If you're obedient, you're looking for the first and the best, and you pick it off, and you run to bring it to the Lord, because you're smart, and you say, Lord, I'm bringing you the first and the best. Say it again, the first and the best, because this is a sign of my love and gratitude and appreciation to you, and notice you're just returning it. Nothing spectacular has happened yet, because who owns the tree? God. So you're returning it, but here's what happens when you return the first and the best. How many of you don't know what the future is going to hold because you're a human being? You don't know if a cold front's going to come through and wipe out all the buds on the tree and kill all the rest of the fruit, do you? You don't know if there's going to be a drought, do you? You don't know if the enemy's going to come in and sort out all your trees, do you? You don't know if a, if a blight or a disease is going to hit those trees and you're not going to get a single extra pair. You don't know any of that, but check this out. You bring the first and the best and you place it in the Lord's hands. And then here's what you're doing. God, I thank you that you will sanctify the rest because you know the future and you know and you can, you can fight on my behalf and drive the enemy away and you're the God who's Lord over nature and over everything and you're the God who's Lord over bugs and pestilence and disease. God, you're in control of my life. I'm placing you first. So here's the, here's the message. I trust you. And you put the, the, the first fruit in his hands and he blesses the rest. Now check this out. What are we doing today? I don't know where this money's going to come from, do you? Some of you might know, you know, parts of it, but we went way out overboard, and we're believing in faith for some crazy supernatural things. I don't know where that's going to come, but here's what we do today. We put the first fruit in, and I say, God, you got the rest covered. Y'all getting this? My confidence is not in me or you to get this thing done. My confidence is in the Lord. So what are we doing today? We're bringing our first gifts, and we're placing them here. Large, small, it doesn't matter the size. It's the first gift to the Lord, the first and the best. And here's what you're saying. God, you're not only going to take care of the church and the needs and the building issue. You're going to take care of me, my family, my issues. I trust you. I just consecrated the first, and you just redeemed the rest. <laughs> you all should be much more happy than you currently are. This is, this is great news. Or you know what? Just do it your way, really. You got it covered. Just handle it. Just run your own life and finances. Just come back and see me in a little while. I'm going to end with this. The first fruits are offered with a spirit of thanksgiving. And I, wanna, I want the band to go ahead and come on up here this morning, our worship team. I want you to look at me, uh, look with me at Exodus 13, verse 14. It says, and in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? And then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals, This is why I now sacrifice 
all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always fought back. This ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or on your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. Now, I want you to see today as a teachable moment for generations to come. Because this is what God anticipated. He said, you know what? The day is coming. The day is coming when you're going to have to explain to your children why you're doing what you're doing. And here's the way I kind of envision it happening. If your father, say myself, I'm an I'm, I'm a agriculture guy. I'm raising livestock. I got herds of cattle and herds of this and herds of that. All right, that's what we do for a, for a living. And all of a sudden, my son starts getting older, and he says, Dad, you know, I, I've been working with you on the farm, but I'd love, to, I'd love to learn more about the inner operatings of the business and finances. Would you mind if I sat down with you and watched how you do the books, how you keep track of everything? I say, sure, it's going to be all yours someday. Come on in, and, and, and let me teach you. And your son starts looking at, at the, the ledger, and he notices that every time one of your animals has a firstborn uh, offspring, livestock, all right, firstborn, that you sacrifice it. In other words, you, you kill it, you offer it up to the Lord. And your son starts scratching his head, and he says, you know, Dad, we're in the livestock business. Now, it seems like this strange practice of killing the firstborn is not good for our bottom line. If we're in the livestock business, why are we killing our livestock? Pretty good question, right? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? And then you start saying something like this. You know, son, um, this might be hard for you to even understand right now, but I need to tell you something about your dad. You know, all this stuff that, that we've been blessed with right now, that wasn't where we came from. You know, son, we, we used to be in slavery in Egypt, and we didn't own anything. We, could, we had no control over any part of our lives. We were slaves. And you know, we used, to, we used to be beaten and we used to be mistreated and we used to eat cruddy things and we used to not have good clothes or a place to live. But I want you to notice, son, you, you know this roof over our head? Uh, God provided that. And you know all those sheep out there? God provided those sheep. And you know what? All the brothers and sisters and family members that you have uh, we're enjoying them because God blessed us with the ability to have a family. And God blessed us with the ability. See this land that you're walking on that's our land? That's because God blessed us with this land. You know, how many of you could look back at a time in your life when you could tell your kids, you know, your dad wasn't always this way. I used to be a drug addict. I used to have a problem with lust or anger. I used to be cruel I used to be impatient. But you know, Jesus redeemed me from the old person that I was. And Jesus set me free. And so the dad that you have now isn't the dad that you could have had. The dad you have now is a new and improved dad because this dad's been redeemed. The stuff that we have is because God has blessed us. The, the, the future that you have is because there's a God who's the centerpiece of our life. You know, I tell people, you know, if I, if I was not your pastor, I could tell you where I would be on Sunday morning. I'd be right here. You wouldn't have to find me because you know what? I'm committed to being faithful to God with my life because I'm grateful to God for what he's done for me. I'm grateful for the blessings. I'm grateful for forgiveness. I'm grateful for my future. 
I'm not here because I have to be. This isn't a job for me. Are you kidding me? I'm here because I love Jesus. You know, when your kids are, are little and, you know, five bucks is like, wow. And then they, get a, they take a peek at your tithe check. Have any of you ever had them do that? They're like, Daddy, you give all that money to the Lord? Let me tell you something, son. Let me tell you. See those tennis shoes you got on? It's not because of me. It's because of him. You know why your dad writes this check every time I get paid? It's because I'm grateful. It's because I've been redeemed. It's because everything I have is a gift from his hand, and I'm forever grateful. And this is just the start. This ain't nothing. This isn't even the, the best of it. This is just this side of eternity. Are you kidding me? I can't even begin to tell you about the future. You know, I used to be this person. I, I, I overcame that. I dealt with this addiction. I did this terrible thing. I did this. I did that. This used to be who I was. But I am no longer a slave. That's why we do this. This is a teachable moment. And so we're going to have a teachable moment now because I'm telling you, if a lady in Minnesota can get captured with the vision and write a $1,500 check, for God's sake, if a, if a widow can stand on her feet all day and cut hair for the glory of God, why do people do this kind of stuff? Because they're religious and the church wants their money? You missed the whole point. I just preached the best message to set you up for blessing and you're still hung up because somebody's talking about your money. That's the problem. It's still your money. But redeemed people, redeemed people get it. And redeemed people know that there is no sacrifice for the Lord compared to what he has done for me. What is sacrifice? What is sacrifice? There is no sacrifice. We live as grateful, thankful people who take what God says is his, we give it back to him, and then we watch God redeem the rest of our lives. Listen to me. I'm, I said this a hundred times. This isn't about brick and mortar. Could somebody dream with me of the people who are going to be testifying a year from now that a powerful redeemer came into their life through you and through me and through this ministry and through the, 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 the outflow of what God is doing in this place. There are people whose marriages are going to be healed that will be in this place testifying a year from now. There's going to be people who have been broken and hurt and thrown to the curb and had no hope that God's going to heal and restore and set free that will be here saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. There will be young people. There will be teenagers radically encountered by God. There's going to be children speaking in tongues and worshiping Jesus in there full of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a move of God in this region. All these things happen because somebody chose to honor God, obey God, and put him first. I wouldn't be one of those somebodies. And I'm telling you, we got some empty seats. You, you will see the faces materialize of people we're going to be impacted over this next year when this is going on. You're going to see with your own eyes. I want, to, I want to challenge some of you. You will see in your family situation people redeemed and healed and set free. And listen, I'm not one of these prosperity charlatans telling, telling you if you write a check for this amount, God's going to save your Uncle Fred or something like that. That's a bunch of baloney. I'm telling you this, though. You put Jesus first in your life. 
and you sow into what he's doing and you will never outgive God and God will not only bless you with material things, which is nothing to him, but God will bless you with more of his glory, more of his presence and God will save your family. God will heal your family. God will give you beyond what you could imagine. You watch him do it. You watch him do it because he is a good, good father. And he loves to demonstrate his goodness. I'm praying with some of you who are going through difficult times. You got kids that are still addicted. You got your family that's been broken and you carry the weight of this. And I know I feel your pain and I understand what you're going through. Listen to me. This is when we cry out to God. We're going to do something in that parking lot as far as releasing about 500 balloons at, into heaven at the same time. That we're releasing them as an act of faith. Basically saying, God, we're sanctifying this, this first fruits and we're, rele- we're releasing the rest into your hands and you're going to watch. Some of you, I just pray that burdens be broken off your life. I pray that the, that the weight of the presence of God begin to fill you. I pray that you begin to see that some of the burdens you've carried, they're, they're gone. They're less, there they go. You've given them to the Lord and you're in a whole new season of your life. Amen. This is what I want you to do with me. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to worship. If, if today's your Sunday, I know sometimes people have different Sundays for when they get paid. I don't expect everybody has, has their first fruits offering today. But today we open the floodgates. And here's the bucket right here. And here's what I would like you to do. I want you all to join us outside. This won't take a long time. Don't get, don't get worried. It won't take a long time. But as we worship, as the band leads us in singing about our unstoppable God, those of you that, have, that are prepared today to offer your first fruits, I want you to do it in faith. Dedicate it to God and then believe him to, to redeem the rest that you've promised, all right? He'll do it. He'll do it. Drop it in here. Make your way out these doors. Work your way out to the parking lot. Well, you'll be getting some, some treats on the way out. It's going to be awesome. And then I want to lead you in a prophetic act, and we're going to capture it on video. It's going to be awesome. Um, but gather together out there. Begin to believe God. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. And then we're going to do something together, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the truth from your word would explode in the hearts of your people today. God, that you'd give us supernatural faith to trust you for whatever it is that we're dealing with. And Lord, today is the first. Today we begin. Today we sow. And God, we do it in great faith. We give you our first. We give you our best. And Lord, we look forward to seeing what you're going to do. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. To you be the praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.